we're back. Sorry about that, everyone. That suspect cut us off again. We actually weren't quite done talking about divines yet. So hopefully you found your way back to us. Yeah, rude when we get cut off like that, especially when I get rolling on a topic. Yeah, (laughs) sorry about that. But I believe you were talking about when the humans or really any race of the planet can become a divine in situations where that could apply. Yes. So getting back on track with that, beings becoming divines and any living being throughout the universe can in time become a divine, whether it's being reincarnated as different things to gain more power through life, or you do deeds in the spirit space to gain that power. And there's different levels and different things you can do. And as your power gets up, you can get to pretty fun levels, including creating, you know, your own life. And there is, there are differences uh, in the universe. There are uh, races out there themselves that can create life now. So there is kind of an opposition of life creating life and the divine space creating life. So you were either divinely created or you were scientifically created and then you either go on without a divine or you're adopted by a divine or you adopt another's or you become a divine which is we were kind in of your own right the, yeah. i think we were discussing <laughs> the merlin and how they kind of become their own divine the great ozzy well i think with how we've done <laughs> their backstory and how they've come to be currently they would almost through that have to take on the role of that divine once they found out that the divine they were worshiping wasn't actually a divine and presumably it would have been some of the early merlin that started believing in that uh, it's just i think we've i believe we've touched on them a little bit before but the Merlim or the merfolk of our world have a divine that they worship, is, which is, it's basically a large statue they found underwater. And they started worshiping it as the great Ozzy. And there's a reason why they originally started following it was he kind of led them <laughs> to the city they live in, the great city of Razmataz, a very fancy mermaid city, lots of coral magically enchanted and that sort of thing as they started worshiping this for that reason presumably some of the earlier ones that had died would have probably realized like oh this isn't actually a divine but to give the citizens hope some of them kind of actually maybe combined their energy and became the divinity or the starts of the divinity then as other merlin passed away they would kind of conjoin with that And then, of course, it would give out some of that energy back into the world to help create more Merlin, presumably. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know if you want to say it, uh, where basically the Merlin city was founded in a a underwater park. It's an underwater theme park. (laughs) Yes. Or a theme park that's, you know, found itself underwater over many, many centuries. Yeah, and the city was... It wasn't in ruins, or the theme park wasn't in ruins, but they have definitely fixed it up and made it 
at least close to what it once looked like, I would say, of course, with their twist on it. But yeah, yeah, and so, with, yeah. with any theme park, you're going to have characters associated with the theme park. And so one of the characters of the theme park is a character through, you know, either writings or things that they found have gotten a belief have built a belief system upon the information they've uh, uncovered about this character. Yeah. And <laughs> so, so the great <laughs> Ozzy was born. Yes. But uh, I could talk about him quite a bit too, but we, we better not get into that or we'll get, we'll get, cut. I don't want to get cut off again. That's bad. Anyway. So yeah, I, it's interesting in that case you have a whole race becoming a divine and then there's other cases of specific individuals becoming divines and like you said some of the beings being divine created there's a lot of possibilities and stuff you could do well and this doesn't happen that quickly i'll definitely add that little caveat on there it's this oh, is yes, something that definitely. takes a very long time to work up to and I think for one of your races, it's something their whole society is built on this knowledge. They actually acknowledge and know that, you know, this is something that happens. And so they, their society is kind of built on that. I didn't know if you wanted to go into that at all. Um, which one? With the Uneki? I don't have the information offhand for them. I don't know. You can, if you want to go into it a well, little bit, we can talk about it. Well, just in terms of how they see the afterlife and reincarnation and how their power works and they put their i can't remember exactly how you framed how how their society views that but it it's definitely in it just i wanted to add it as an example of this is here's another way of you know having civilization on your planet you know interact with the divines and the the realm beyond the mortal plane yeah i can i'm trying to get them up here just real quick i know what i want to say now that we're talking about <laughs> it but i'm kind of afraid to say it and just like <laughs> then go look at it later and be like this is definitely not what i thought so oh yeah that's right okay it is what i thought the Uneki do not usually adhere to a divinity, but instead seek to transcend themselves by achieving enlightenment throughout their time on the mortal plane of existence. So they're kind of, as you said, aware of this. And when they're up there, they're actually going to kind of be building themselves up in that life too, until they decide to come, if they have a reason to come back down, reincarnate yes. themselves, so to speak. Uh, obviously, I guess reincarnation exists within different religions here, but on the planet, but not, I didn't really have anything specific in mind with theirs. It's just, they're just a little more aware of what happens, but I wouldn't necessarily say they would have all the secrets of the afterlife. <laughs> That's why they would possibly spend time yeah, in that definitely. afterlife to further their knowledge of that whole thing. They just kind of know what they've been taught through their, their race well, and teachings. <clears throat> Yeah, and how we talked uh, about before we were cut off is that you, as long as you haven't like agreed to something with another divine, you have the freedom to make your own choices when you're there. So you do, it is a choice to come back. 
And I know, I think this is still up for discussion, but I, I know I was leaning more towards you can choose to come back as what you want to come back as. I know you were you were bringing up, well, maybe it should just be coming back as what they were. Uh, that's that's up for discussion. In both at, ways. At another point. But. Yeah, both ways. That's undecided yet. We're And part of it, I don't, I don't really mind since we're talking about it. I don't really mind if you get to pick, it would just seem to me that it would be more common place to say, okay, I'm a, I'm a Terrapin. I'm going to come back as a Terrapin because I'm kind of in the area where Roshi's at it more just because it's like, well, I've always been a Terrapin. Why would I decide to come back as a Kadiska? <laughs> not, not that they couldn't. It just, I don't know. I guess it would depend on the religion too and what they thought of coming back well, to different races and stuff. Well, and I could see a lot of individuals wanting the freedom to choose and gain those different experiences of living another life, you know, from another race's point of view. If you could decide, oh, well, I want to come back as this race and have that experience kind of in my back pocket. Because really how I, I saw the spirit space was a collection of uh, just a singular consciousness and that consciousness could experience all these different aspects. Uh, it would be the same thing like, Oh, am I going to come back as a male again? Or am I going to come back as a female or, you know, what are you, what are you aiming for in that life? And I guess to some extent, maybe that would just depend on the individual soul as well. <laughs> what their previous or you could just were. <laughs> Yeah, toss caution into the wind and just jump into it and live with whatever <laughs> you... Well, I'll be yeah. a dung beetle. <laughs> Come back as a dung beetle. Well, and that that's the aspect that, you know, do we allow you to come back as, you know, an animal or do you have to come back as, you know, as an intelligible race in terms of a, of a higher degree of learning? That's another question. Or do we just say, yeah, if you want to come back as a fish, you know, you have that memory of your life as a fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, obviously, we don't have the world completely built out yet. <laughs> We're still in the process of creating some of it. So anyway, I don't know. These are all good questions to ask, though. So, well, just. I thought it was maybe a good thing to bring up, you know, that, you know, even we're sitting here still having questions. And I think when you're world building, asking yourself questions is a great way to help build it out, especially if you find yourself stuck or you're not sure what to move on to it. Just start asking yourself questions. And if you're not sure, there are a lot of sources online that you can go to that can help you get your brain jump started and thinking. That's and what feel, I do. Is... And feel free. I mean, you can use real world religions as inspiration. I don't, I don't necessarily think there's any problem with that. I, I you have to be kind of careful. Obviously you want to be respectful, but that's, and that's, I think one reason why we've decided to set ours in a mostly fantasy setting it, it, or it, it, having the divines be stuff we've mostly come up with ourselves, even if there is some basis on a very basic resemblance to Greek gods and the, you know, that family and relationship aspect. But it's like I said earlier, we're not here's Zeus here. And that's been done too, though. I mean, we were talking about God of war earlier. You have that in there and they have their own take on it. Yeah. 
And I would say, especially if you're starting out on your own, probably not copying too much unless you have a story to tell, which could be perfectly fine just as God of War had a story to tell or, you know, Assassin's Creed wants to take, you know, the, you know that history and change it up to mm-hmm. fit their storyline. I think that is a fun way to retell something. And of course, you know, I know there's, it's just like you said, being respectful and not, you know, trying to come out and directly, you know, say something is wrong or right. It's just, it's an interpretation. And I think storytelling is good. And I, I just, if you're building a tabletop or you're building your own like fantasy world, I, unless you've got a story to tell, I would stay away from like, you know, here's Zeus, you know, here's Athena, here's, you know, here's all the gods and goddesses. And one, I don't think there's any reason to use them because if you're wanting to have just placeholders, just come up with a different name and fill in the gaps later. I mean, you could have a Zeus, like you said, if you have a story to tell. Otherwise, I, I would say. Well, and D&D has that, right? You can. <laughs> yeah. It has the Greek pantheon and it. it has the Norse pantheon. Like you, it has the Egyptian pantheon. Like it has like our real world. I don't think it has all of them, but it has at least the major ones from history in there. Are they tweaked quite a bit or are they? Nope. They are the same. They're pretty straightforward. <laughs> huh. Well, and this. And that's what I'm, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, and. And how D&D works, it gives you, I think it's fine with how they do it, because if you want to run your tabletop game, you know, in the Greek world at that time, like you've got that space to do it. And I guess, like you said, that allows you to tell the story you have to tell, but you at least have some base knowledge to start with. I This ties in with this a little bit, but I guess it goes back to when we were when D&D was first kind of created and people were thinking like, ah, people are worshiping devils and, you know, it Mm -hmm. does this and that. And I think it touching on it would be kind of interesting, but as someone who grew up in a Christian household and also someone who's been into fantasy from a very young age, when I'm reading these books or playing these games, I never, it's not like, oh yeah, I wonder if, as we're talking about earlier, the Zelda divinities are real you know i'm going to start worshiping them i don't think it has to interfere with your personal religious views to enjoy a fantasy game or fantasy story i don't i don't think there has to be any conflict there this is a fantasy game it's for fun yeah it's nice to be able to separate that from you know your real life experiences and what we actually go through and deal with and i don't think there's any disrespect meant in any fantasy story that does come out Mm -hmm. but their stories you know and that goes for science fiction as well people are we're creative we are creative beings we like to create we like to tell stories and it it's something that's deeply rooted if you go back to the beginning of human life we were communicating, we were telling each other stories. And I think that's why tabletops like D&D have been around so long and while the, why they are going to continue to be around because it's that unity we share being able to tell a story. And 
you know, I know for both of our campaigns, it's just, I think we've both shared the sentiment of we it's hard for us to go and play video game RPGs now because they just cannot compare to the stories and emotions we get from the tabletop game. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think, not that you don't get emotional in a video game or a movie, but you're talking oh, definitely, but one yeah. or two scenes over the course of a whole movie or the course of a whole video game where, you know, a big character dies or something happens. And it's great that video games can provide that, but in D&D, I mean, I can, I've had that, those moments a lot more often where I've had that really strong, you know, those strong feelings like, man, this is intense. Just, you don't get that every day in a video game. Well, yeah, even, even though you're creating a different character, no matter how hard you try, that character is going to reflect part of you. Every character you create is going to reflect a part of you. And so there's no way for you to be completely detached. Because, And I think if you did try to do that, the game would be get very boring and oh, kind yeah. of dull. <laughs> well, but yeah, yeah. But, and I'm not, and I'm not saying like part of you always being attached to the character you have in a tabletop is a bad thing. I think it's a good thing because right from the start you are emotionally invested in that character mm-hmm. especially and i've been in time into yeah. your backstory and oh definitely <laughs> yeah then you're 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 already like pre into your character which is gonna you're really going to care about the situations they get in and if you have a good group of players at the table and you're all growing together as players and characters the situations you find yourselves in when, you know, times get hard, it can get very emotionally traumatic and heavy very quickly when you're dealing with a lot of those themes. So instead of it, you know, looking from the outside in, it's you dealing with it. And not yeah. only that, you're, yeah. you're, you're building the story with the DM. And so part of this story is, is you have ownership of that. Yeah. And we're all trying to have fun and have a good time. And as DMs, we love the storytelling. That's, I mean, that's why we do this. We're trying to tell our story. And it, it having the player input helps a lot too, because it gives you something to play off of. And that element of surprise. <laughs> Definitely uh, the element of, of surprise. But, and I think that's just human nature. And it's not, and I think sometimes... And I don't know if it happens so much nowadays, but I'm sure there's, you know, there may be sections of people out there that look at some of this stuff and they're either writing it off as, oh, that's silly or childish. Oh, I'm sure that still happens. That's evil or, you know, you're, you know, it's blasphemous to be saying the things you're saying or doing the things you're doing, but... We, I think a lot of that I just, comes from we need that too. <laughs> yeah, we need that creativity. I just, I know personally that I need it. Like I don't know, yeah, what I would do if I couldn't wake up and create uh, whenever I wanted to. That would be well. I've been doing it really since hard. I was a kid. I I remember drawing mm-hmm. books when I was a kid. I mean, I I've been doing this since I was old enough to put pen to paper, pencil to paper, crayon to paper. I have written stories and when I was a kid I would I would write books about the Ninja Turtles or Ghosts but whatever given show I was into at the time 
but over the years it's translated into a fantasy really yeah same here i would have series of sketches mostly dragons and say really big into dragons and so i would have like series of drawings that i would do on just of dragons and then i'd have you know here's you know this section of dragons and here's this section of dragons and i had my own little story i wanted to tell and i wish so. i had saved all of that from when i was a kid because it would be kind of interesting to go back but i remember just somewhere in your junior high high school years it's like this is garbage and you just trash it and you're I always wonder like what hidden gems would have been in there I mean I'm sure the stories weren't extremely unique but there might have been some little tidbit in there that was like I could use this funny you say that I still have all of mine I pitched a lot of my earlier stuff unfortunately but Uh, yeah everything I worked on you were you were telling me you were mentioning earlier you had the notes from our original creation that we were working oh, on the game that yeah. will maybe someday see the light of day if we if we have some extra you know money we have sitting around to make a video game but we had actually had this idea this is gonna be a topic well yeah i've got something to say but i'll let you tell i'll let you get it out there before i say it no that's fine so yeah sorry <laughs> it's like i beat you to the punch on this one but it was like so we had this idea, and obviously virtual reality was a thing of the future at this point. It didn't exist at this time because I think we were in high school. Mm-hmm. And I actually specifically remember we were sitting at Hardy's and I had younger siblings and typically my mom would like take them to the playground to let them play, burn off energy. And so we were at Hardy's and you and I were just happened to be along there. <laughs> I don't have any idea why we were in that particular town but so we're just sitting there talking about this idea for this game we have and it was be okay virtual reality we had hope at the time that this is going to be a thing and we're like well you can put on this thing and I think originally we had talked about you being goblins but then it kind of turned and (laughs) this was a long time ago and you can correct me on this but I think we had decided it would be more fun if we had this vampire werewolf thing going on where you'd be playing in this virtual world and you could play yeah. as vampires or werewolves Underworld yeah we wanted was really big at the time mind you but <laughs> well i was just about to say i think we we came up with this idea and then underworld came out and i was like we were both like well so much for that idea <laughs> yeah i think that's right i i yeah that sounds about right we actually had kind of come up with it and it's like they kind of well, they never made the, I mean, a game could still be made out of that. But unfortunately, a lot of the setting stuff was uh, kind of, I, yeah. I don't remember much else about it. It's It's been a while since I've thought on it. Like I said, I didn't oh, actually I, take notes. but I have our notes from that. I do have our notes from that. I'd have to do some digging, but I, I do remember seeing them recently. But <laughs> so maybe someday that game will come out and we'll get a virtual version <laughs> of it, but. But yeah, I remember it was supposed to be, you know, vampires, werewolves in like a Grand Theft Auto type style game where that was just yeah, really yeah, open right. world. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto was big at the time and doing well. So <laughs> yeah, where were we talking about VR with that one? Maybe the VR was just the goblin one where you would be walking around playing gob- like walking around as a goblin. We threw VR in a lot, but I think it was like, okay, well... If- <laughs> I don't know if we'll be able to do VR anytime soon. So, and I just remember like, this would be awesome in VR. That was always the (laughs) thought too. 
at the time oh, it was yeah, just it'd be, a thought it'd be like gta where it's just very open world and you can choose uh yeah what monster you want to be or i think it was you could choose a monster you you could choose a human and then i think we were just going to start out with you were a human and then you could decide you know did you want to be like a monster hunter did you want to work to try to join you know the vampires or werewolves and there may be game. I don't think there's any games that have both. I know there's some big vampire games out there, and there may be one that has both, but I don't think there's any like open world <laughs> Grand Theft Auto RPG. There's the Masquerade, but that's I've, I've never actually played that, but I, I don't know. Well, that started out as a table, Vampire the Masquerade started out yeah, as a tabletop, is, yeah. and then it had that first game. I didn't get into the first game i have watched some gameplay of it and unfortunately it's one of those games that hasn't aged well so i know for me like sometimes some games graphics don't bother me too much but in a game like that like i i don't want my graphics to be too outdated mm-hmm. unfortunately it was a little outdated for me uh i have they are coming out with a second game vampire the masquerade 2 which does look a lot better i i do have it on my wish list on steam but it's it's one of those like, well, they were having difficulties and now it's been delayed. And so who knows when that'll come out, but we are way off topic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we need we need some like theme music that plays like some random like space out thing that'll just play whenever we start going off the <laughs> Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm thinking of like the original Star Trek music too, like the theme for the original Star Trek. It's like, yeah, we're out there. We're way... That's okay though. <laughs> and if you've if if you know that's how it's going to be at this point, if you're still listening this many episodes in, especially if you're listening to a two parter on <laughs> divinity creation. But well, I guess getting back on that, yeah. Um, the, getting back into some DM tips. Uh, I know in D and D how it works right now is you know players going in can pick their divine. When you're starting a session, you I usually start it with, uh, you can pick your divine. And if a, if a player doesn't pick a divine, uh, that's fine as well. What I like to do is throw in opportunities for that those players to follow a divine that may have taken interest in them. And I have tried on several occasions to get some of the players in my campaign to follow a divine that currently do not. Uh, I don't know if you remember, this was quite a while ago, but you all met a large talking toad. I can't believe you're, you're doing this to me. I was actually going to bring that up to you. I was going to surprise you with talking about him. That's actually really funny. So I was actually, let me ask you my question before this then. So, yeah. <laughs> he is a divine though correct yeah that's what i thought i was gonna actually bring up he is actually a divine because i remember you kind of warned us if we had because he was being kind of a he was being kind of a stinker but he wanted i debated attacking him and you're like yeah that would have been really bad and then I, I thought you had said he was a divine so he is a divine he is a divine but a divine the form may not be the true form okay and so there was that instance. There were also a lot of giant crocodiles that were starting to like swarm you on both sides. I had kind of, so we may not have died if we had killed him, but he 
we would have probably made a really powerful enemy at that point. <laughs> well, and that was an introduction to a divine who's was basically trying to get in good with one of the players and who's been trying to get the player to reach out to them. And I've kind of put a limit on like the player's got to has to show some, I'm going to try attempting to reach out to whatever has been contacting me. And unfortunately this player isn't, hasn't taken the bait, whether that's by choice or they just haven't picked up on it. And just so you know, the, the player is Vern. Hmm. Our, our bard and then there was another instance where you all for lack of better word is basically like an acid trip where you all spiraled out of control in your dreams and you all met with I know you met with your divine Nithus met with his divine and Luxfer met with his briefly and Lore met with an individual who's not necessarily a divine, but a divine that had taken interest in where he was. And I remember I elaborated a lot on Burns <laughs> because the divine that was been, has been trying to reach out to him was really trying to get like him to try to reach out and talk more. And it just, it hasn't happened. And so it's been kind of fun for me to have this divine who one of their realms is trickery which is why they're they were kind of they're kind of a butt but it kind of makes sense with Vern's character so I thought he might pick up on it are they kind of a butt or kind of a butt butt <laughs> that's what you said. Uh, you said they're a butt but they're I'm just trying to clarify are they a be, butt or a butt butt B-U-T-T, but. Okay. I, I'm, <laughs> just, just, I'm, but. Just, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> yeah, it happens when I start going in my train of thought. <laughs> but <laughs> so, Sorry to interrupt you uh, there, but. <laughs> but the realm of, that this entity lives in has taken a liking to this individual. And that's, and has been helping him, hmm. though he really hasn't taken notice of it. Spoilers. <laughs> eh, by the we're getting towards the end of the campaign. I mean, there's not too much. Yeah, by <laughs> that's the time gonna, by the time gonna this happen. Later, yeah, by the time this goes on Spotify, <laughs> the campaign might be over. Probably not. We're not that far ahead, so it'll at least be too late <laughs> to do to much with anything. it. That's good. But you maybe in the. The future with the the character, I don't know. Maybe there can be some things there. Although the end isn't written yet, not sure everyone will survive. There's a lot of nasty stuff coming. Yeah, that'll be sad. We this is something I briefly wanted to bring up about divinities was just because and. Typically, a specific divine will embody something, death, life, something like that. But that does not necessarily mean that everyone on the planet worships them the same way. The example I wanted to bring up is we, this kind of happened randomly, but a player is playing, in your campaign, he's playing a paladin, mm -hmm. Luxfer, and in my campaign, he's playing the priest, which, which we've mentioned several, several times on Amadeus. And they both 
worship Moribos. But the paladin has a much more stoic approach <laughs> to following. <laughs> uh, he's a more of a devout follower, let's say, and takes his role as a follower of Moribos very seriously. Whereas Amadeus doesn't. I, I don't. It's not that he doesn't. He takes Moribos's teachings seriously, but he seems to be a little bit. I don't know. Open to doing side it's, quests as well. It's very. <laughs> It's very lighthearted. It's just yeah. like, you know, it's the random, it's the church follower that says, you know, yeah, I go if, I, if I'm if i feeling up to going, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that that kind of individual who's just like, yeah, I'm there. But yeah, if I'm feeling like I want to be there. And it's interesting because both of, both of them have started their own, I guess, really sections of church. You know, the priest is the high priest of Moribos in this part of the continent and Luxfer has started one up on an entirely different continent. They both worship the same divinity, but I wonder they haven't been writing sermons, at least not that I've heard yet. So it'll be interesting to see if the sermons would differ a whole lot. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. <laughs> and it was kind of random that he ended up doing this because I think around the time Luxfer started following Moribos. I was like, oh, this is really similar to what I had planned for his priest. And not exactly to a T, but it just the fact that they're they just both happen to be following the same divinity and they're being played by the same player. It's kind of well, and I think (laughs) well, and I think the player has taken a liking to the divinity and just their play style and personality and what they like in games Mm -hmm. and he has given me some hints as to characters he likes and, you know, other works, you know, whether it be books or games. And so when he told me some of that, I was like, okay, I, I get why you're down with this divinity now. Like it, that definitely makes a lot of sense. So, mm-hmm. and to me, it's, it makes me feel good. Cause it's like, okay, wow. You know, this is a divine that, you know, I've created and he's helping grow it. And you could also think is this is who he's comparing it to. And it's like, ah, oh, this is great. Cause it's, and I don't know what you don't have, I don't need to know, but what specific things he said, but it's like, yeah, if he's like comparing something I've made to these things, it's like, ah, oh, this is great. I have something here that's people like can relate to. And as a world builder, that's, I'm not going to lie. It's nice to hear that someone enjoys what you've created. Oh yes, we I mean, love compliments. <laughs> I, I I would still do it even if it never saw the light of day. I would still do it just because that is what I like to do. I enjoy it, <laughs> even if the yeah. whole world yes, worship it. Give us your divine power. <laughs> we will become supreme beings. Yeah, even if everyone on the entire planet in unison pointed at me and said, you suck it and we hate everything you create, I would still be in my hovel creating things. So, You know what this reminds me of is people will bow to it. <laughs> so I couldn't resist the grandma's boy quote. Yeah, I couldn't resist that. No, it is fun. It is. I Players have complimented me on a couple things. And it's just, I don't know, there's nothing better than it. It's just, oh, it's so great players are taking an interest in this well it's just that gratification and satisfaction that someone else enjoys this 
someone else is into even to the extent our other player writer has gotten into everything he wants to do and create and he's just been really excited mm-hmm. and we he he's going to be running his own session that just I I'm think that's a ref- that. <laughs> yeah that's a reflection on the work we've done though I think if we had been doing poorly hey I don't know if we'd have players but I probably wouldn't he probably wouldn't be as interested in and we probably wouldn't be doing own. this podcast, so <laughs> how to be not. a bad DM. <laughs> we don't have any players, so we decided <laughs> to start a podcast to give you all our advice on how to run a campaign. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Maybe we'll, we'll get the suspect in here and the suspect can do a podcast on how to how to chase players away. Yeah, interrupting them while they're talking about <laughs> Zelda Divines is one way to get on their bad side (laughs) but i i think having that feedback from players and you know it can be intimidating definitely putting your stuff out there i've i've dealt with putting my my stuff out there several times and i think one of the things that has motivated me and i'm going to say this is relevant to the topic because you know we're about world building is I got feedback before we started our stuff up when I was posting my other world stuff that we have kind of all combined things into. And they had left me a comment on one of the pieces I had worked on saying, you know, I really like this. It has a lot of potential and just something as simple as that really goes a long way into making you feel motivated and okay I, if someone out else out there likes what's being created i'm it just motivates me to keep going <laughs> well and that made me think of obviously after you and i talked about it it had me interested enough to come into this with you i remember we were talking a couple days ago about when you introduced me to all this and you had been running the campaign, I think for a little bit, but then you were mm-hmm. kind of showing me your system for the divines and the different realms, the dig- different magics. And remember like you gave me all these printouts and I took them home and I'm like, wow, oh, this is crazy stuff. It's like, I'm like reading through it. And I'm like, yeah, it's going to take me a while to memorize all this. Although I think I'm getting better. I've come a long way from when we first started <laughs> talking. So. Oh, definitely. And I like, and I think I've mentioned this before, like definitely having someone work on a project like this with you is, I can't even begin to express how much it does help. Uh, Just keeping you honest, keeping you motivated, keeping you on track with what you're doing, as well as just bringing in fresh ideas. Well, and another thing I find is helpful is having somebody to bounce ideas off of, because mm-hmm. sometimes when it's happened with both of us, but one of us will get, we'll have a good start to an idea, but we get stuck and you're like, well, what if we did this? And it's like, oh, that'll be perfect. And then it gets the other person going. And I think that's actually kind of what made us decide to start a podcast. And well, we had some different ideas, but to do this specific podcast, it's like, well, it's when we sit here and go back and forth i mean like we could do episodes of podcasts with you and i just talking back and forth creating something which we've talked about so that may come still eventually uh, that that is the plan that'll probably be quite a ways down the road once we've hit all the high points but 
we thought it might be interesting to kind of then you can really get into our creative processes we'll kind of actually create a race or a divine we'll see city and pcs yeah we could yeah i'd like to do one where we create some npcs that would be fun we'll create it actually we could just create the city and then populate it that would be really cool yeah it could be a multi-part series where you know we create the city create in the npcs for the city and maybe a divine that city worships in particular i like that and then we could add like okay well if this is the divine they celebrate you know do they have a holiday that they celebrate to for that divine yeah that's a so good there's idea. a lot lot yeah. we could get into with that and obviously and we've mentioned this before especially on the facebook page if you haven't followed us there please do um i'd like to start posting some art possibly pretty soon granted i am no artist so <laughs> i am an artist but i'm not a very good one so we are keep your criticisms <laughs> to yourself don't hurt my feelings but um no some concept art of some different monsters that are going to be populating our world so check us out there if you haven't yet and if you have any ideas for topics you'd like us to do uh please send us a message yeah and as we get more followers, as people want to have more of a discussion with us, we'll definitely open up that discord and start having more conversations about topics or, you know, projects that we're working on or getting your feedback on what you'd like us to discuss. Yeah, and we could pretty much get into any number of topics, but it would be fun to start getting in discord with some people and I don't know. I even thought maybe we could stream in there once in a while. We'd do some gaming. <laughs> that would be fun. Love games. We could have Superman discussions about how he himself is is Superman a divine. <laughs> that I don't know. Can it be answered? Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed that rambling, please consider supporting our podcast. You can show your support for the Lost Geeks on Facebook and Discord. We anticipate your collective feedback and suggestions. We would like to offer our sincere thanks to Nomad. That's K-N-O-M-A-D for providing his musical talents. You can discover him for yourself right here on Spotify. We hope you return for our next episode. And I do apologize for the cutoffs. If I don't stop them, then no one will. They are lost after all. Till next time.